0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Second day in a row. Second day in a row. I'm telling you, I think that the world knows, I think the government knows that the excitement of this program is just kind of wearing off. And the, uh, Not the excitement of the show is not wearing off, we're actually building, but they're trying to make it wear off. Second day in a row, I hit go on the live stream and the computer red, uh, blue screens on me and shuts down saying it needs like computer updates or something. I don't know. We'll get the live stream back up in just a minute. But hey, welcome into the program. It is a pre-Friday celebration broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country, radio and TV. The live stream will be up in a minute. We have the podcast thereafter every day as well. Welcome in your Millennial General reporting for duty. And I am super excited about today. I am pumped. I am ready to go because there is a lot of stuff. We have a fight on our hands. We have a war. On our hands. We have a war politically speaking. I'm not talking about a physical pick up your arms type of war. I am talking about a political war. I am talking about a spiritual war. I am talking about a common sense war. I am talking about a war on our way of life and traditional values. Today, the tide has turned, and not in a good way. Today was the first day of a very long time where we're going to start seeing things change rapidly in this country and I mean in a very dark, bad, non-commonsensical, really bad destruction of the country kind of way. Anybody receive that child tax credit today? I didn't. I was supposed to. I don't want it necessarily. Because I don't want just government handouts. But you know what? If I'm going to write it off on my taxes at the end of the year, I might as well get it throughout the uh, month after month. Sure. Okay. Whatever. Thanks for conditioning me for universal basic income. But I go to check the account today. I got paid for my job because of the thing that, you know, I work for and actually make revenue. And therefore, I have a value to the position that I'm at in my said job. And therefore, I get compensated for that. I got that paycheck today didn't get the child tax credit how many people show of hands how many people got the child tax credit today i've asked around and guess what i found some people have some people haven't conveniently the ones that didn't get it were ones that voted for trump yeah uh, hold on right uh, delay. thank you delay thank you yeah, so apparently the ones that voted for Donald Trump did not get their child tax credit payment today, as it was supposed to go out starting today, and it's supposed to go in like the 15th of the month from now to the end of the year. As of right now, it is not a permanent thing. It's not supposed to happen for forever now. It's only supposed to happen between now and the end of the year. Their idea was to help stimulate the economy after COVID-19, but you know... There's something a little bit more malicious under the surface level, don't you? You know, it's the government. You know, there's something just a little bit wonky there. The child tax credit's just a little bit more than that. You realize that when you start receiving now, and remember, this is not just if you wrote it off in your taxes, this is for everybody with children. There's a headline from the associated press today about it going out where one individual they use of course because they have to make it all emotional, make it attached to somebody, it's really important and oh it's a life changer for some people. They didn't even know it was a thing. Here's what the associated press said today. The child. Oh wait, I need the appropriate music because it's so it's such an important thing. It's such a uh it's such a big thing that we need. Well, I guess we could work on this one. All right. Here we go. I was going to do something a little more Down and emotional, but this works just fine because it kind of sounds like a joke or a game show. We're handing out money today. What do you win? You win a thousand dollars. Here's according to the Associated Press, the child tax credit has always been an empty gesture for millions of parents like Tamika Daniel. That changed on Thursday when the first payment of one thousand dollars hit Danielle's bank account, and dollars started flowing to the pockets of more than thirty-five million families around the country. Danielle, a 35 year old mother of four, didn't even know the tax credit existed until President Joe Biden expanded it for one year as part of a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package that passed in March. Previously, only people who. Uh, this is the catcher here. I love this. Previously, only people who earned enough money to owe income taxes could qualify for the credit. Danielle, who nearly. Went nearly a decade without a job because of her eldest son being autistic and needed her, so she got on by Social Security payments. And she had to live at Fairfield Courts, a public housing project that dead ends at Interstate 64 as the highway cuts through the Virginia capital of Richmond. But the extra $1,000 a month for the next year could be a life changer. Who now works as a community organizer for a Richmond nonprofit? It will help provide security deposit on a new apartment. So, of course, you got to use the emotional, personal, oh, hey, the one person that had actually helped here. When everybody else, you had to pay for it for years, and now all of a sudden people are just getting this for free. What is this doing? This is not a child tax credit. This is 100% universal basic income. I'm telling you, the entire landscape of the American political system, the American economic system, has changed today. Today is one of the darkest days in American history. Today is one of the most absurd days in American history. And today, that tide has officially turned with that first payment going out. And you hate people. You didn't want her to take care. You're a community organizer. You're probably making near fifteen I don't know. I looked at the average pay for a community organizer. What are we? Barack Obama here. What the hell's a community organizer? A community organizer, uh state by state changes obviously on hourly rates, but averages just in my state here in the state of Kansas, fifteen bucks an hour. That's the same as a personal banker when I was a personal banker at roughly thirty-one, thirty-two thousand dollars for the year. Let let me Get this right. You're making $30,000 on average. Let's just say it's a round number wherever you may be in this country. Richmond, Virginia. Let's see what it is in Richmond, Virginia for a second, or in the state of Virginia as a community organizer. How much money did you make as a community organizer on average? Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick here. Virginia. Nine, oh, I'm sorry. $19 an hour. You're making $41,000. On average, as a community organizer in Virginia, and this is the first time that you're getting any kind of tax credit from the government for your children? Have you, like, filed taxes? I know it says that you didn't work for a while. Okay, that's fine. You're a community organizer now. You're working for a nonprofit organization. You're making $30,000, $50,000 now. Did you not file taxes? Did you not get the child tax credit before to where you actually got to write it off on what you actually owed? Because it was always there. But they got to find the one story, the one emotional tear-jerking story of this is going to be life-changing for me. You know what? If you haven't paid into the system, why are you getting a tax credit? And I know that sounds heartless. I know. Well, you don't want people to be taken care of. It. You don't want people to grow. You don't want people to have opportunity to get on their feet. That's not the case in any way, shape, or form. We look at it as we usually do in politics. We're looking at it the exact 180-degree opposite way. Why are we giving credits to people to help them as opposed to cutting taxes, lowering inflation, and making it more economic, uh, economically feasible for people to live on the income they currently make? I know it's a wild concept, and there's a lot more that goes into it, and that's why politicians don't want to handle that. They don't want to cut regulation. They don't want to cut taxes. They don't want to cut government spending. They don't want to downsize different departments. In fact, we're trying to grow agencies and departments right now, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, with the increasing size of the IRS. They want to double the amount of people working at the IRS. So while we're trying to give more money out, they're saying, well, we have more people, we have more duties in the IRS trying to collect money from the evil corporations and evil people that have lots of money. We need to get money out to people that need it for the redistribution means right now in our universal basic income. We need to grow the size of the Internal Revenue Service, which is why this infrastructure package that they're trying to pass right now has million, 40 million, 40, I'm sorry, 40 billion with a B dollars. That would go annually into the IRS as an increase of what they're already doing. Just to give you a little bit of a heads up, the IRS budget for fiscal year 2021 is sitting at $11.9 billion. Adding $40 billion would increase the tax agency size by more than a third over the next 10 years. The explicit goal is to squeeze $100 billion into additional tax revenue without changing tax law. They don't want to change the tax law to increase. They don't want to change tax law to decrease the amount of revenue. They want to add more IRS agents to squeeze and do more audits and make sure they didn't miss a penny from anyone because that's their priority. At the same time now, we're starting to not just give a tax credit. Look, this was supposed to be a tax credit. For children, and we told you right off the bat that it was going to be the first step to universal basic income. You get someone conditioned to it. Oh, that's additional revenue coming in. I can start paying this bill. I can start growing my living uh, living lifestyle this way. And then you know that it's not going to go away in December. You know that. Because it's going to go away for maybe a month or two. People lose their minds. I was dependent on that. I needed that for my income on a monthly basis. I had to pay. That was my grocery money. You are trying to starve me now and kill me because I don't have that money coming in. And then poof, guess what? We'll just make it permanent. We'll do it all the time now. It will be that foundation for universal basic. It will be not just universal basic income because now. People that never received it in the past as a child tax credit for this individual, Tamika Daniel, that was making, uh, that didn't have any, that could be making $1,000 because of the fact that she's got four kids and she was struggling, whatever. Now she's getting $1,000 a month into her paycheck or into her bank account. Do you think a little bit that she's going to be upset when that goes away? And then it's going to be harming the children. It's going to be harming her. It's nothing more than that fear-based political tactic to say you want to kill people unless you want to, con- unless you don't want to continue this on. But we're not just talking about tax credits for children now. We're talking about subsidizing people that don't pay into the system, that have three or four or five or six kids, that don't work and sit at home, and now they're rolling in at $1,500, $2,000 a month, just rolling in from the government for that child tax credit. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen to the brand-new United States of America with universal basic— It's here. It's not like in the near future where we're going to scare you about socialism. It's here right now. The first payments went out today. And conveniently, the people that I interviewed and surveyed throughout the day today, the ones that voted conservative, the ones that voted Republican, they didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know what I was going to do with that money? I was going to sit it back and pay bills and pay the debt so that way I could do the Dave Ramsey thing, be debt-free, and do my deal. Uh, That was going to be my—it wasn't going to increase my spending— it wasn't going to expand my uh, dependency of expanding programs or buying more things. It was going towards paying off the debt. So when that stuff explodes and we go bankrupt, then guess what? Uh, I was going to be taken care of. Or maybe I should use that money for guns because then the government could be subsidizing my firearm purchases. Ha <laughs> ha! You like that? Maybe that's an idea. Or maybe I could be buying ammunition so like the government can subsidize my firearm purchases. I'm just saying. There's opportunity for us here to say thanks, government. Maybe I could use that to donate to a Republican candidate. I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, it's here. Now what do we do about it? Because it's not going away. Have you ever seen one single government program that started that never went away or that actually went away? It's only short time. It's only temporary. It's going to slow down. No. No. The fact that we're using this to give money out, subsidizing individuals giving them a monthly paycheck now from the government the sneaky weaseliness from the democrats and the progressive side of the aisle and now we're trying to double double the size of the internal revenue service the amount of people auditing coming after businesses coming after individuals coming after you because we need to make sure that you directly need every single penny that's supposed to go to the government they deserve every single penny that they're owed and we're going to make sure that you paid that It's here. It's not some far-fetched spear tactic. It's not some far-fetched scare tactic politically. It's here. Now what do we do about it? Because it needs to go away before people get too conditioned to just accept it as the norm. Lots to get to here on The Voice of Reason for a Thursday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at whosyourreason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. Helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. All right, we. Got, I think. I think we got our live stream back up. I think we got that going. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitter, Twitch.tv. Also on the OurFreedomBook.com. We have that. We have it on, uh, that's about it, plus the website at reason.com. So stay tuned in there. You can watch the live stream if you want to watch this ugly mug. Plus we have the radio and the TV side and the podcasting side, wherever you may be. So welcome in. All right, so... Today, the first day of the child tax credit, did you receive yours? I'd love to hear from you if you did receive that money and if you so, what are you gonna use that money for? Are you gonna use it for your daily your monthly budget, your usual spending? And just try and compensate. Are you going to use it for something special if you're getting that money? And is it that conditioning of that universal basic income? As we talk about the growth of the Internal Revenue Service, $40 billion in this infrastructure package trying to expand the number of IRS agents because that's the appropriate way to spend taxpayer money. They love to have their own taxpayer money go to hire people to audit them to see if they're paying enough money to make sure that those auditors actually have a job. That, I mean, that's what I want my taxpayer money to be spent on. And it's an interesting conversation. I was talking to a locally elected official here in the Wichita area earlier today, chatting with him about uh, a few different issues politically that's going on. We have him on our local program on Saturdays. He's coming up this Saturday. And uh, I, I was chatting with him about the coronavirus relief money that came into the county, $100 million into the county here in the Wichita area. They don't know what to do with it. They don't need it. They don't want to expand anything because it's only a one time payment. So you expand at the local level with this coronavirus relief money from the federal government into the cities, into the school boards, into the counties, into the state government. If you expand government with that, then guess what? Get ready for some tax increases at the local level, wherever you may be, because that's probably the stupidest thing you could do is take a one time gift from the federal government and then use it to expand your operations and then. A year later, two years later, three years later, not have enough money to maintain and then everything crumble. That's what most government entities will probably do because that just gives them an excuse to raise taxes later on. Well, I, don't, I don't we can't afford it. We gotta we can't cut it now because it's essential and people will die in the streets. So we just need to increase your taxes, we'll increase your property taxes, we'll increase local sales tax, whatever we gotta do. You know it's coming. So get prepared wherever you may be depending on the politics in your area. But I was talking to said elected official in in my area here in the Wichita area and we talked about the size of government because there's an issue about mill levies and property tax rates in in uh, the county here. And I we had made the comment of competition with labor shortages for county jobs, EMS or uh, paramedics or firefighters or police officers and how there's a massive labor shortage, not just in our county, but really counties and, and cities all over the country, there's a shortage there. And we got to the discussion of the size of government, how much tax revenue should be coming in. And I agree that if we have those positions, EMS, fire, police, whatever, those kind of emergency people that when you make that phone call that show up to try and you know save your life, those jobs need to be paid at a comparable right to the private market. As much as I want government to stay as little and tiny as possible, you know, we need enough revenue to take care of individuals like that. And unfortunately, they always get the wrong end of the deal if you're a first responder. And I feel hor- horrible about that. But we can't keep their rates at $8 an hour when you could go work at a fast food joint for $15 an hour. And then guess what? We don't have anybody saving lives when the phone call gets called in. So those need to be – but at the same time, you don't double the size of your agency just because you can. And that's what the Internal Revenue Service is actually doing. They're doubling the size of the amount of agents to come in and try and audit you to see if you're paying enough money into the system because there are people with seven kids where you got to subsidize them because they can't work now. Which goes into a deeper discussion that a lot of people don't like to have on responsibility. Can you afford to have eight kids? Can you afford to have kid after kid? Can you afford that and still be able to go to work? Can you maintain your life and maintain to contribute to bring income in? Or are you now doing it for the subsidies from the federal government? It's a compli- it's, it's a very controversial topic because a lot of people then get really, really touchy and angry when you mention that. But now we see people that have never gotten a child tax credit receiving $1,000 of our taxpayer money. And good on them. How are we going to sustain that type of system? you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I think it's just the day that computers don't like me. I don't know what the heck's going on. Still a little bit of corkiness going on with the live stream right now, but we do have it up for you. You can find us all over our social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch.tv, Instagram, TikTok, uh, allfreedombook.com, the website at hoosierreason.com, the handle at hoosierreason, that's H-O-O-S-E-R, reason, all over all, all those sites. It's all the same at hoosierreason, so that way you can find it. You can find the link to all of those as well. At your reason.com but little corkiness on there not quite sure what's going on we'll get it addressed we'll continue to work but hey you know computers what do you do so we have that and then of course my delayness on this computer as well yeah weird day i'm i, just, I don't know if it's the weather i don't know if it's just an odd funky thing but who knows whatever it's all right welcome in broadcasting live right out of wichita kansas all over the country on numerous stations TV networks and the live stream and podcast as well. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. I think they realize I'm a little fired. Today was the day. Today was the change, the shift in the paradigm for the country with this universal basic income. It's here. We have to admit it. Now we need to figure out what to do with it. And then while they try to use that to increase the size of the internal revenue service, but uh, absolutely ridiculous. we so shift gears from that just a little bit here and get into what's trending. What's trending today and super excited about our next guest as we shift gears and talk a little bit more about COVID-19, obviously still an issue that's lingering and the Delta variant spreading because, you know, it's more contagious, right? But more, more, more contagious. (laughs) It's not as deadly, but it's more contagious. So as long as we scare people, but there's been still a big push all over the country about vaccine passports or vaccine cards or vaccine ID cards or something to where, Have you been vaccinated? Oh, are you going to go to the grocery store? Have you been vaccinated? Oh, you got to fly around or travel. Have you been vaccinated? Walking into any public place, any business. And uh, luckily, most communities around the country aren't in favor of this. Here in the state of Kansas, we haven't accepted anything like this. California is trying to do so. Florida, I don't think they're going to do anything. But luckily, there's some governments that are actually fighting back and pushing back to make sure this is not going to be a thing. And we're excited to have our next guest talk about how they're doing this up in the great state of Michigan. Now... I'll forgive him being from Ohio myself and a Buckeye fan originally. I'll forgive the whole Michigan thing. But uh, Muskegon County commissioners have passed a resolution up there to ban the vaccine passports in Michigan. And the first county up there to do so is these people are fighting super hard up there. She's a former school teacher. She's an activist in the community working with many organizations trying to make sure that this type of shenanigans does not happen. Excited to have Michelle Mixa on the program with us here. Michelle, how are you today?
1: I'm well, thank you Andy. Thank you for having me and I hope I get some extra credit points because I lived in central Ohio for 6 years. So ah. although I'm a native Michigander, I do love Ohio too.
0: Ohio's beautiful, I tell you. And uh, yeah, I, I give you credit though bouncing back and forth between that line. You know <laughs> the anger that goes on with Ohio State and Michigan.
1: Oh, it's hardcore. It's hardcore. <laughs> it and I'm from the west side of Michigan and we don't care that much over where I'm from. Okay. So when I moved down there, I was a little shell shocked. I had no
0: idea this rivalry was so intense. So <laughs> it's wild. I say so. I've spent. It's I, wild. I, it is. I grew up right near that Michigan border, up in the northwest corner, of Toledo area, and okay. then I moved to Colorado. in In Colorado, in the three years I, I lived in Colorado Springs, there was an Ohio State bar in Colorado Springs, Colorado. That I mean, the rivalry goes all the way across the country. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen.
1: I cannot say I'm surprised.
0: I believe it. It's wild. For those that don't follow, and look, I'm not a sports person. I don't follow a whole lot of sports. I just grew up as kind of a Buckeye fan. But if you're in any way, shape, or form in college football, that is the bloodiest, baddest rival you'll ever see in any sporting event. So uh, it's fun for sure. Talk about what you guys are doing up there. Congrats on actually making this ban happen and actually pass up there because that's a huge thing. There are a lot of government entities all over the nation that, that see this as well, you're trying to kill people. How dare you not want to check people's vaccination to make sure that they're saving the population? So congrats on that. Uh, talk about the fight you guys have had to go through up there.
1: Yes, well, it was it was intense and it was long. Um, I had uh, I have two young children, and I was watching what was happening in Israel with their Green Pass and what happened in St. Vincent when there was an active volcano, and people were not taken off the island unless they were vaccinated. And it frightened me for my children's future that they would have to show proof of vaccination to have emergency rescue or, wow. it, or access the grocery store or a local gym. And I had been writing my uh, representatives at the state level over and over again. And either they did not answer my letters or concerns or uh, their response was unacceptable me, and so one day I just kind of dawned on me: let's let's take this to the local level and the county level where my voice is louder. And uh, I had no idea how our county government worked. Um, I I didn't really even know what the board of commissioners did. Um, I'm a homeschool mom, you know. I I was never an activist before, and uh, just started calling in. And talking to people and networking and uh, meeting with uh, Michigan for Vaccine Choice uh, and People's Rights Michigan and asking people to join in on this cause. And we had hundreds of people writing emails and flooding uh, their inboxes and voicemail boxes um, and then calling in during the meetings also to the point where they just really wanted us to go away and they passed the resolution. Wow. Wow. So uh, there, there was a lot of fight, uh, pushback uh, amongst the county commissioners because their mission, of course, was to promote vaccines and they didn't want to talk about the passport issues. Um, but it's discrimination when you're telling someone to reveal their private medical in, uh, information and it's not okay. Okay. Yeah. and if, and and you know, I've never vaccinated my children. I have my own reasons for that. Sure. Um, and when I see this that this uh, vaccine is still in an experimental stage, I think it's reasonable for people to wait. Yeah. and uh, we shouldn't be punished for using logic and and uh, reason and wanting to see the results of this study prior to mm-hmm. a permanent change to our body. So um, yeah we fought for it and we won and it was it was
0: very exciting. I am into that. I'm so glad you guys fought. And as you mentioned, I mean not necessarily politically active prior to this, but this is a major concern for people and I give you credit as well because uh, how much pushback do you get when you t- when you say that you don't vaccinate your children? Do you get a lot of heat for that?
1: I think people are a little bit stunned. They don't really know what to say. Um, I've always been pretty outspoken about that. I've always relied. If if you want to know the truth, I've realized through this whole COVID situation and and with the rollout of the vaccine, how much I relied on activists of the past. And I wasn't engaged in my government and I wasn't really paying attention to um, maintain the freedoms that we have. And so I've made a commitment to really stay involved at this point because our freedoms, unfortunately, right now are fragile. And if we don't uh, stand up and claim them as our own, I, I, I don't even want to think of what the future will look like.
0: I can imagine. And uh, again, the fact that you were non-political, non-activist, didn't know how the government worked, didn't know how the county worked on that level. Uh, I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. you did. How many other parents did you know that were in the same boat? Now, I don't follow that stuff. I just want to go to work, bring home the, you know, the food on the dinner table, do my thing, just live my life. And then they're saying, wait a second, this isn't okay," and we're not going to be stuck in a situation later on down the road to where we have to jump all uh, through these red hoops. I mean, Mm -hmm. is there a lot of parents out there that you've heard that are doing this now?
1: I feel like right now people n- know that they need to be involved. They know that they've been complacent. Um, they know they've, they've rested in the comfort of this amazing nation that we live in. And with our incredible freedoms that we have, they've been complacent and comfortable in that. But I think a lot of, of them are almost, um, they don't know how to fight back. Mm. And we have so many issues coming at us right now at one time. It's almost like you're paralyzed with choices. You don't know which one to go after. You don't know which one's the most important. They're all important. And so my advice for people is pick one. Pick yeah. one that is near and dear to your heart. Other ones are important, too, in election integrity. There's all sorts of issues that are very important, that are that are real today, that need to be fought. But pick one that you can really go after and go after that with all your, your heart and, and just clobber it and win. Yeah. and when once that win is under your belt look for the next one we yeah. can only make a difference one thing at a time we cannot fight every front that's a really at great one time. point because
0: that's when you get overwhelmed and that's what they want to overwhelm you to or you step away mm-hmm. from the system and say i just can't do this any longer we're talking with michelle mixa a former school teacher activist you can find some information at peoplesrights.org also michiganvaccinechoice.org as well talk about the state overall we got just about a minute before we have to t- take a break so maybe a teaser but talk about the state of Michigan overall. It's been run by a lot of Democrats for a really long time, especially the the bigger cities and the, with the governor right now. And I know during the election time, there was a lot of heat on the governor with some of the audits that went on with the election. But are, are you seeing mm-hmm. overall as a state more of a conservative Republican rising that may change the dynamics of the state in the, in the next couple of elections?
1: Well, I'll make a radical statement and say we are a red state. No. Um there, there was extensive fraud here in Michigan. Um, and the people around me, this is a red state. I don't, I don't, the cities, the cities are definitely more democratic, um, uh, for sure. Uh, but it, most of Michigan is very rural and it is not, uh, democratic. Um, where I live, it's sort of a mix of rural and, and urban and it's, it's a red state. That's, wow. that's what I believe. That's my experience. I'm a native Michigander. When the lockdown happened, I was in Ohio, um, and then we moved in October. Uh, the lockdown was, was very intense here.
0: Sure.
1: Um, people didn't really know how to uh, act because they were still shell-shocked from the initial lockdown in the spring, where they were told, <laughs> do not leave your home. Wow. Don't mow your grass. You you cannot get anything at, at stores other than groceries. No
0: paint, no seeds, I no... Oh gosh, that was bad. I, I didn't realize it yeah. was that bad there. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to finish this story. And I want to shift gears and get your thoughts on school as well, going from being a school teacher to going homeschooling. is. I, I think a lot of people are going that direction as well. Was it COVID? Was it other reasons? We'll talk about that when we come back as well with Michelle Mixa here on The Voice of Reason for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It goes by way too fast, the fastest hour of radio on radio, plus the TV and the live streaming, podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening, more entertaining than watching Joe Biden trying to walk up a flight of stairs. Yeah, that's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're all about, talking with Michelle Mixa out of michigan as we talk about uh, the vaccines vaccine passports and a lot of communities across the nation now trying to work on this issue making sure that that doesn't happen other states and other communities not so much as we see out of california that's starting to happen but i want to shift gears for a couple minutes here as we kind of wrap up the show in the last few and uh, going from being a teacher to homeschooling what was the reason just out of curiosity what what led to that the decision was it because of COVID and the homeschool virtual thing? Did you were you tired of the uh, the curriculum and kind of the administrative bureaucratic state out of the school system? What led you to go from being a public school teacher to actually going to homeschool?
1: Well, I, I actually decided I was homeschooling my children before I actually had children, ah. <laughs> and it was because I was a teacher. Um, I when I first began teaching, it was just prior to No Child Left Behind. And the teacher had a lot of freedom to uh, interact and shift gears and adjust what they were teaching and how they were teaching things to the child in front of them. So, So every child learns differently. And the teacher had the ability to say, well, you'll understand it. You understand this math problem this way, so I'll teach you this way and Susie next door to you doesn't understand that way, but here's a different way that works just as well that she does understand. And we had the ability to adjust to the children in front of us. And as No Child Left Behind came through and then uh, Common Core, that was taken away from teachers and children were left to sink or swim. And I I had to give a test to my class one day. And because the schedule told me that was the day that they had to take the test. And I knew that if they had one or two more days, it was a class that struggled in general that year, just the character of the class. Yeah. I knew if they had one or two more days, they would have been successful. Wow. And I remember just thinking to myself, I will never do this to my children. My children will never struggle this way. If they only need a day or two more, why don't? Why aren't we giving that to them? Right. Because feeling successful is a really important part of motivating students to continue to want to be successful. And so um, my son was born almost 10 years ago, and then I was done teaching, and I transitioned. Uh, at, uh, my daughter did some Montessori, and then we transitioned into homeschooling, and, and it was it's one of the best decisions we have ever made as a family. Um, I love homeschooling my children. I get to hang out with my two favorite people in the entire world all day long. Uh, we we do life together. Yeah. And I can't imagine not doing life with my kids.
0: That's amazing. I love it. It, it. It's a great story. And I think a lot of people are down that road because the way the curriculum is, the way the, the bureaucratic state is right mm-hmm. now for public schools, a, a lot of people are so frustrated. I have a seven-year-old daughter right now, and we're going into second grade now in, the, in Mrs. Voice of Reason. And I have been discussing, do we homeschool? Do we try and do it? Because my wife does work from home. We're, you know, with our stuff that we have going on, and that's been the discussion. Now, luckily, we live in a smaller school district, which is nice. So, you know, we don't get quite as much. But the question still remains, do we homeschool or do we do that? Do it, it, My big concern has always been, you know, the uh, the social interactions and if they're still getting that, if they become socially awkward sort of thing. That's always been kind of my big buffer. But mm-hmm. I think there's more and more programs allowing uh, homeschooled students to be engaged in whatever athletic uh, thing or community events are going on.
1: Yes, we um, I will say that that's the number one myth when it comes to homeschooling, that we that there are issues with socialization. If anything, socializing gets in our way of doing school. There are so many opportunities out there. And I will also mention that my daughter played basketball all through the winter, this last winter in a homeschool league with no mask at a time when our governor was telling the school kids Mm -hmm. they were not allowed to uh, play at all. And if they did play, they had to wear a mask once they opened up enough. So with homeschool, you're just not affected. And uh, homeschool does not look like public school at home. It's very, very different. A lot of what we do is just integrated into our day. And I can't encourage you enough to look strongly at homeschooling and all of the opportunities that there are. In fact, I'm looking at this fall at our schedule and I'm like how are we going to do it all? <laughs> There's so many options for us it, uh, here in homeschooling. I so. love it.
0: I'm so happy for you guys. It's Michelle So You can find some information about what they're fighting for at peoplesrights.org plus michiganvaccinechoice.org as well. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the program. Keep up the fight up there. Don't let them get away with anything. I'd love to get you back on the show again here. Real soon. Thank you so much, Andy. Have
1: a great
0: night. You as well. Appreciate that. Great stuff. Great stuff. That energizes me. That gets me pumped up. That knows that there are activists out there. We are doing it, baby. That's what it's all about. Till then, podcast up in just a little bit. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We will see you on the radio tomorrow for a Friday.